Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. Hope you're well. Well, why wouldn't you be well? We just won the FA Cup a few short days ago. Wow, it's still good. I still feel good about it. Well, I mean, I don't feel good physically because, uh, well, it was, a, it was a long weekend because Friday there was drinks and Saturday, FA Cup day, celebration, blah, blah, blah. Sunday in Edinburgh. I'm doing this with the window open, by the way, because it's actually a nice evening here. So any background noise you might hear, like like my young neighbor up the road, he's, uh, I don't know how old he is. He's maybe six or seven. I could be eight. I don't know. But uh, he um, he's a big, big Arsenal fan, even at that little age. Uh, so I got the scarf that uh, that we all got at Wembley. The official Arsenal, Aston Villa, Wembley FA Cup final scarf. And I brought it up to him the other night. He's like, oh, oh, I'm told he brought it to school and everything. So that's good. That kid is fully, utterly, 100% cemented into supporting this club for the rest of his life. Not that he wasn't already, but this is just like the icing on top of the cake. So he could be out in his back garden. And from time to time, you might, you might just hear him singing. An Arsenal song. Not like a song that's in the charts. But you're sitting here working and then you hear, Oh, Santi Cazorla. From four or five gardens up. It's good. So maybe he might give us a song at some point. But, uh, you know, if you do hear dogs barking and people shouting or things bashing or lawnmowers going off, it's because the birds singing. Can we hear the birds? Fuckers. They stopped. Oh, look, I heard one there. Anyway, that's what all that is, because um, I'm hopeful summer has arrived. But look, I was just talking about the week and how you should be in good form and everybody should be in good form still because we won the FA Cup and won it in such a, such a fantastic way, such convincing fashion. Brilliant goals from uh, Theo Walcott and Alexis Sanchez. And, of course, probably the best shoulder you will ever see in a final from Per Mertesacker. And then late on, Olivier Giroud came on and added a bit of handsome French bloke to proceedings and scored a goal. And everyone was happy. And I think people should be happy for longer when they win things. I, I was talking about this a little bit on the Arsenal America podcast, which could be out now. I'm not 100% sure, which is the laziest podcast I've ever been part of. Because normally when you go on a podcast, you know, they ask you a question, you answer the question, and there's a bit of conversation, etc., etc. And Chris's whole idea was, I'm going to get a load of memories from people from the FA Cup and all that kind of stuff. And basically he said, you start talking now. You talk for five minutes nonstop, and I'll just sit here and record it and put it all together. Fucking lazy bastard. But anyway, um, 
on that particular podcast, I was just talking about how how quickly things become yesterday's news. And winning the FA Cup, winning it for the second time in a row, winning it for the most times ever should be something that has powered us throughout the week. And it has, from my point of view. It's Thursday evening now. I'm sitting here and I still feel really good about it, but not physically because I'm an absolute wreck after um, all the stuff that went on and the traveling and what have you. But that's, that's beside the point. My body will recover or not, but my head is my head's in a good place. It's in a happy place. I hope yours is in a happy place too. And this is the very last Arsecast of the season. I wasn't even going to do one today. I wasn't, honestly. You know, last week on the uh, the pre-FA Cup Arsecast, we sort of did the roundtable thing and uh, discussed the season as a whole, whether or not we made progress, that kind of stuff. And I was just like, well, I've kind of done that. But then I felt like this week needed to be topped off with with a podcast of some description. I'm not saying this is going to be the best arsecast you ever listened to. It's most certainly not. We should make that clear right now, that if you have those expectations, you're going to be disappointed. But it's going to be an arsecast of some description. Um, and we might talk a bit about the FA Cup, and we might talk about other stuff, but I just thought, you know, it would be a good way to finish off this this really excellent week from an Arsenal-supporting point of view. I mean, it's not like there's a lot going on. All the players are gone off on their holidays or they're um, gone off on international duty, some of them, and won't be finished until mid-June. Alexis, for example, has gone off to the to the Copa America where he's going to be playing in Chile. David Ospina, I think, is at that tournament too. Joel Campbell, <sighs> lucky Joel, eh? He got out while he still could. And well, I think we have to thank those fans at the the station there in Stoke who, who advised him so well. Get out while you still can, Joel. Get out while you still can. And he did. He scored one goal in 22 appearances for Villarreal. I think it's fair to say his lot has improved considerably from the uh, trying, difficult times he had at Arsenal. But he's away at the Copa de Oro. That's the Gold Cup. But most of the guys are away. And that's it. Summer holidays are on and and all that kind of stuff. And not much has been happening apart, of course, from all the outrage about Jack Wilshire. You know, Jack, what can you say? He said the word shit live in front of a lot of people. The word shit. I mean, it's unconscionable. I don't know how he can live with himself, really, to be perfectly honest. What kind of a fucking cunt do you have to be to say the word shit in public? I mean, it's just it's just the worst thing that anybody could possibly imagine. I mean, I've been to films, films in the cinema with children in them, and they never have the word shit in it, ever. Comedians, they don't say the word shit on stage or in their acts or on their DVDs. They certainly do not. They modify their language. That's what they do. SH1T, they might call it. We all know what they mean, but they would never dare to say it out loud. I mean, it's just it's just appalling. Although you, you do have to put it into context because he is talking about Tottenham. And they are shit. And I've never seen this, but I can imagine that when certain people go to the toilet, that they leave Tottenham-shaped 
Logs. Look at that one, he might cry. It's just like a young Terry Venables. Or that one. Doesn't it put you in mind of Christian Ziga? Or that one there. It's what I would imagine Robbie Keane would look like if he didn't have those extra chromosomes. But look, you know, it's uh, it's storm in a teacup stuff because clearly a footballer saying shit in front of some people who all have heard the word shit before is by far and away the most important football story of the week. Nothing else has happened, you see. There's been nothing going on in the world of football that deserves more coverage than this. If only, if only there had been some scandal elsewhere that could have taken the spotlight off Jack and he wouldn't have been charged by the FA. And It's a shame the game is so clean. There's no corruption, no backhanders, no bribes, no interfering in elections, none of that kind of stuff. Just uh, just really unfortunate for Jack Wilshire And his family, I mean, how are they going to cope? I don't know. I don't know. But look, the season is over. It's done and dusted. Is it a good season? I think it is. Some people might say, we have fewer points. But I would say, you're right. Because I wouldn't argue with them, because that's a fact. You can't argue with that. We have fewer points than we did last season. However, we finished a place higher. Which means, of course, that we don't have to go through a Champions League qualifier. So is that better? What's better? Having more points the season before and finishing fourth, or finishing third with fewer points this time around? I think, in the grand scheme of things, when people look back, they'll say, well, they finished third, so that's better. Which it is. And look, every season is different. You can sort of say that just because you got fewer points this time around that it was worse than last time because the circumstances, the games are different, uh, the whole league was different, different teams, different games. It's not the same. So I think finishing third with fewer points and winning the FA Cup, I think it's progress. I think we can see a bit more clearly how this team might be developed into one that can challenge for the title. Because we're a long way off it. That's not to say that the season was perfect. It clearly wasn't. There were mistakes made. But some of those mistakes were rectified. We have too many injuries. Correct. We did something about it. We brought in Shad. Shad Forsyth. Whose impact was felt in the second half of the season when lots of the players weren't injured. Which is something of a revelation. You know, we're not used to having choices pick a first 11 because that's pretty much who's fit so we are you know we sorted that out the defender that we all wanted in in the summer didn't arrive that was a problem but it was uh, rectified in january when we brought in gabriel who looks good and kind of scary and that's also good and then the defensive midfield thing if it happened by accident so what so what a system that didn't work in the first half of the season suddenly began working when we had a player like Coquelin who came in and did what he did. And what a story. Coquelin. Holy shit. Holy shit. That was one of the most um, underdoggy, out-of-the-blue Arsenal stories that I can ever remember. People might say, remember when Alex Song went to Charlton and then he came back and he was great? And I say, No. I remember when Alex Song went to Charlton and he was fucking terrible and then he came back and he was less terrible and then became all right, reasonably good player 
and then we managed to sell him for fifteen million pounds to Barcelona. And then this thing though, that's that's a change around. Not that Coquelin was ever a bad player, it was just his circumstances. So there's another thing that's been addressed throughout this season. There are other things that we can do this summer, clearly, positions that could be made better and improved, but we've done some of it this season too. So I think that's why that contributes to the whole, have we made progress or not? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. But look, I've been talking for too long, and I think it's time to talk to somebody else. And I know we uh, had her on the podcast a couple of weeks back, but look, who better to join me on this um, very last Arscast of the season than Amy Lawrence. Hi there. Hi, Andrew. How much did you enjoy what happened uh, on Saturday, perhaps in comparison to last year? It was so bizarrely different. Um, the, the, I mean, when you're as old as we are, <laughs> for younger listeners, um, any memories of cup finals, you know, which date back quite a while and are sort of been lucky to have lots of them. Um, it, I find it very difficult to remember anything, any experience where with about oh, 20 minutes, half an hour to go, it sort of feels a bit like cigar time. I and mean, that's yeah. just not cup finally. It just doesn't happen. Um, not, so, uh, it, it, yeah, if you didn't enjoy it, then really you need to take a long, hard look at yourself, I think. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken a number of times this season, and it's been one of the issues of the season. Like, has has Arsenal made progress? Has the team made progress? To me, looking at what that team did at Wembley, uh, leaving aside completely the fact that Villa weren't good, uh, I think that has as much to do with us as anything else. But um, I think the way that... Arsenal control that final from the first whistle right to the last is a sign of genuine progress in this team. Well, I, I agree, and I think it wasn't only that. So, something that really struck me, and I'm not sure whether you um, got to have a look at, at some of those post-match reaction, um, but when, when, when I eventually got home, uh, having completely forgotten to record the match and gone door about halfway through the game, I managed to get someone to sort of stick on record for the uh, for some of the after- aftermath. And it was really striking that one by one, the players that, that, that lined up and were interviewed seemed to be singing from this song sheet of, well, yeah, we're really glad we won the Africa Cup, but this is, this is showing how we want to go and have a good summer, prepare well and be ready to tackle the Premier League with this kind of substance mm. next season. And everybody was saying it as if you would have thought that they'd been talking about it beforehand and that they needed this kind of performance to prove to themselves, to everybody else, that they have moved up a level and they want to move up a level again. That's really in the, at the front of their minds. Yeah. It was interesting that there was an interview with uh, Alexis Sanchez um, done via Hector Bellerin, who was the translator. Um, I think it was Ray Stubbs who interviewed him, and he was he was trying to get him to to talk about the goal as if he he really wanted him to say something like, "Well, it was one of the best goals I ever scored," or it was, you know, something. And all he said was like, "Yeah, it was it was a good goal, but you know, the most important thing is that we did this for the team, and I'm just glad to see my teammates happy and and that kind of stuff." And there are players who, if they'd scored a goal like that in an FA Cup final, would be quite keen to put themselves uh, front and and center to talk about it. But the way. He was maybe a little bit had to do with the fact it was being done uh, in Spanish and English, etc. But 
he, he just sort of batted that away and focused completely on the team, which I think was really interesting, especially from a player who has had the kind of season he's had. But I think that that he, you know, he is quite an unusual guy. I mean, it, it's it's diff- it was great to hear from anything from him because he's not the kind of man who's very particularly comfortable and enthusiastic to do much interviewing or talking to anyone. Um, he's he's he seems to be just a, a, an absolute football mad sort of childlike kind of a guy where talking to people around the club they say he's always smiling but just all he wants is to play football all the time and somebody said something and I've no idea whether this is true or not because it seems absurd but the other day somebody said that in training when he makes some sort of mistake or loses the ball or does something he doesn't want to do he goes and runs from wherever he is um, to the to the behind the the furthest away goal line behind him and sprints back again as fast as he possibly can as a sort of punishment. Wow! You could you know that seems just too idiotic to imagine to be true from almost any other footballer alive. But actually, when you watch Alexis Sanchez play, you can imagine that that might even be true. Um, so I, I hope it is because it's a it's a, a great anecdote, and it just encapsulates what this guy seems to be all about which is just this huge determination to to do well and play great football and not really think about the consequences and not really get caught up too much about what it means for himself mm. I just think he's um he, he's like that and that's obviously one of the reasons why the the players absolutely love him apart from the fact that he's had such a great impact anyway yeah pitch but i mean what he did at wembley in in fairness um you're looking at big players to turn up in big games and the semi-final he scored two goals the final he scored a goal that pretty much killed aston villa whatever little hope they might have had at one nil when it went to two nil in that manner i mean what just it was extraordinary the most extraordinary cup final goal i think i can remember arsenal ever scoring well, it was one of those where where people's reaction was that sort of mixture of gasping with a mix and and laughing because it just seemed insane to be doing something like that in a cup final. Mm. You know, it's um, you even look back at the great cup final goals of old, and I mean Charlie George's is obviously one that that stands out yeah. um, as being a very very special goal, and, and and it was. But then you look at that, and it does seem to take it to a, a different planet slightly with the, with the goal of, of that nature. Mm. Well, look, you know, it was just yeah, amazing. It was one of those where you, you just pause for a moment before you start before you start jumping up and down. But he deserved it. He deserved yeah. it for the way that he has been from the second he walked inside the football club. You yeah. know, not many players have a first season when they move country as as, as striking and eye catching and infectiously you know, incredible as he has had. Two FA Cups in a row for Arsene Wenger, making him the most successful FA Cup manager uh, since the war, winning six, and obviously Arsenal have set a record of 12 FA Cups, which is more than than any other side. Um, When you think about eight minutes from time against Wigan in the semi-final last season, despite the fact there are some uh, frustrations, obviously, with this season that's gone in terms of the Premier League, when you're looking for a manager to deliver a trophy as a, a measure of success for him to do it two years in a row is is fantastic. Yeah, I also think, you know, I was having a chat with some Liverpool supporters recently and I think it's um, what's difficult about the current sort of uh, 
age of, of, of football and football support and football media and, and the whole environment is for quite a lot of clubs, there is an expectancy that you should be winning something or getting damn close to winning something every season. Mm. And obviously it's just not realistic anymore because there are the group of teams who would probably include that self in that sort of, we, we should be winning something or a uh, group. It, it's larger than the amount of trophies that are available. Um, you know, obviously Chelsea picked up the um, uh, Capital One Cup as well as the, the the title this year. So that makes it even more difficult for that group to be expanded. And so there was, assuming that the Champions League is, is at the moment looking a bit of a stretch for any English club in this current sort of cycle, the FA Cup is huge. And, um, you know, there's a lot of disappointed teams who think they should be winning trophies? You know, you'd have Manchester City and Manchester United in that list, obviously. Yeah. But not everybody can do it all, all the time, and so for Arsenal to win two trophies, even if everybody wants them to be getting closer to the the Premier League, is is really not to be sniffed at. And how much can winning two trophies help the team with a title challenge next season? Um, when you think maybe last season. I don't know if you could call it necessarily a title challenge, but the team was top of the table for a long time before falling away. Uh, it didn't happen this season in the Premier League, but they look like a team that knows it can now win something that isn't shackled by the Birmingham defeat in the in the Carlin Cup final, for example, which I think had a, a tremendously negative effect on, on the team for, for quite a while. Having come through last year's final, having then bossed this year's final it feels like the mentality is changing within the group. Agreed. I, I, I thought Martin Keown said something interesting when he said, look, uh, in 2002, Arsenal won the FA Cup. In 2003, they retained it. And then in 2004, they went unbeaten and won. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The title. And you think, ooh, look at that nice pattern. But it's not a very realistic reflection of what actually happened because, of course, in 2002, Arsenal also won the league yeah. without losing a game away from home. Yeah, It wasn't just two FA Cups that, pro that propelled them towards this route towards the invincible of course there's a sense of progression but 
a lot of teams who, you know, evolve over time. When you look back at them historically, you can see the stepping stones of a team developing to become ready. Even if you go back to George Graham's Arsenal, would they have won the league in 89 without the um, Littlewoods Cup in 87? Yeah. I don't think so. And there are these, these patterns where teams develop and gain the little nuances that they need to believe in themselves to overcome the challenges over a period of seasons sometimes to set themselves up and it depends who's involved in that team what experiences they have have they won things before um all these uh, all these things come together and need to be completely right sure it's right for chelsea last year they did brilliant business in addressing their key problems to bring in um diego costa fabregas and and courtois in addition to matic who came that January previously, which affected their whole spine and set them up basically for for get you know taking the steps they'd already made to get those extra steps. Yeah, Arsenal have still got work to do from where they are right now as we speak to probably being ready to go that bit further and in the in the title race. I think all the great thing is I think all the players and the manager think it's achievable. Mm. But I think it's only going to be really achievable if the additions are made and the improvements are made in key areas to just give that strength that's going to give Arsenal more power for for a whole season. Sure. I I mean, I didn't necessarily want to to stray into this area, but seeing as we're here, (laughs) we might as well run with it a bit. I mean, we know that Arsene Wenger is famously, uh, is loyal the right word, or has belief in his own players that perhaps other people don't and in many cases that's justified and in others not so much um i mean will he look at the the record of his goalkeeper this season uh david ospina's come into the side uh performed pretty well he was talking about him being statistically one of the best keepers in the league he brought Wojciech chesney back for the fa cup final uh who you know he didn't have a lot to do but i thought what little he did he did it in a very dominant kind of a fashion i mean is that going are things like that going to impact on his summer business will he look at the goalkeeping area as uh as crucial as as other people uh, like to say that it is. Well, I think that's the the dilemma for for Arsene. I think when he lies on the beach and uh, tries to have a bit of a rest, which I think in reality means that he's still thinking about football all, all, all the time. But it, it'll be that tension between the romantic side of him that believes in the players that he's nurtured and that has a lot of faith in the atmosphere in the group, which according to people who spend time around that group is as good as it's been in years. And you've got to be careful about when you're bringing in new players, what impact that has on the the overall group Mm. as well. So I'll be thinking about all those things. Um, But he is a manager who historically, when he looks at his squad and plans for the season ahead, does tend to look at best case scenarios so instead of thinking, what happens if Cochrane gets injured? Have we got anyone else who can do it? He would usually think, well, if Cochrane has another brilliant season, I don't need to buy another defensive midfield player. So it's finding that balance yeah. between being really ruthless and really ambitious and having faith in what you're, what you're building and in the, the, the positivity that you engender from having players who feel loyal to each other loyal to the manager, believe in the club and what, what everybody's trying to do. Yeah. 
and quite which way that's all going to fall, I don't know. I also think it's hugely dependent on very simply who is who is viable in this upcoming summer. Yeah, it's all very well saying, you know, are you going to try and improve in certain areas? But the players who are going to genuinely improve you have to be available. In many ways, Alexis Sanchez really was only viable because they wanted Suarez and they managed to get that done. But if they hadn't been looking to make that change, Barcelona, if they thought, well, our attacking front three this year can be Messi, Neymar and Alexis, which doesn't sound bad, does it? Yeah. Then they've also knocked on the door at Camp Nou and said, oh, excuse me, do you think we might be able to buy Alexis Sanchez? They wouldn't have had much of a long conversation. Mm. But it was just the availability that made it possible. So uh, I think we yeah. have to see how the market pans out, really. Yeah, I mean, how much do you think the the fact that... Uh, well, maybe we're be, um, being premature here, but I, I tend to look at the the next two years as his last two years at Arsenal, given his age, change is inevitable uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I mean, do you think that perhaps some of that cautiousness might go out the window because he knows he's only got one more or two more goes at winning the Premier League and also knows that to have a realistic chance of doing it and to bridge the gap with Chelsea, that improvements do have to be made uh, and the squad depth that you require over the course of a season... um, can be added through through the transfer market. Maybe, but I I don't. That's a fascinating question. I'd love to know whether Arson does think about things as this is probably it for me. This couple of years is. I don't know whether he set that sort of benchmark for mm. himself. Um, he might. He but also he might have done. But then that might change. You know, if Arsenal do kick on again this year and can get closer to the highest mountains let's be honest much as he'd love to win the Premier League I think if he thinks he's got a a squad that has a chance of winning the Champions League and that has obviously been totally pie in the sky in most of the last 10 years where you know it's been pretty difficult getting out of the out of the um, last 16 never mind getting to the final only final in 2006 but if he thinks that it's it's doable would, don't you think he might sign another contract in another year or two? Mm, maybe. I mean, he's he, you know he doesn't look to be slowing down any, and certainly the the worry lines from his face are, are much less visible now than they were eighteen months ago. So yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um, I don't know. I was just you know looking at it from the point of view of well, three years from from last year. I think that takes him to. 66, is it? I think, I think you're probably right, but the question is whether he's actually thinking that way or not. I don't, mm. because I don't know if he's that far thinking. I think he'll be thinking about next season. Right. And that's probably it for now. And it is it's, it is a short, a very truncated summer break as well, isn't it? Because there are uh, Champions League finals, obviously, tomorrow. Then there are international friendlies all the way to mid-June. The Copa America runs until uh, mid-July or the start of July, which is going to affect Alexis and, and David Ospina, a couple of others. Uh, and you're bringing back players in the first weeks of July uh, for preseason training. Arsenal season starts on on August the 2nd because of the uh, Community Shield against Chelsea. So there isn't much of a break and there isn't a huge amount of time for him to sort of step back and, and say, right, okay, uh, this is this is what I'm going to do. Whatever, he, whatever he's going to do, he's going to have to do it in reasonable time. 
You'd think so. Um, I mean, one of his sort of sacred things is that players get four weeks off. Yeah. Um, so assuming that everybody's, apart from the, those on Copper America duty, are going to be at least taking it a bit easier over the next little while, and then we'll get there four weeks. Um, I think they still feel refreshed enough with a bit of luck come the start of the season. But uh, business-wise, I think it's still all... But it's not about when the season starts. It never has been. It's about when the window finishes. Yeah. So, you know, if the right players come up towards it. I think the only difference would be if you want, if you really think you want a goalkeeper, if you've made that decision, then it would make sense to get that particular player in sooner rather than later because obviously they need to combine with the with the back four and build up a relationship there. And it's um, probably much more risky of, of any of the positions in, in the pitch, if you're going to bring in someone later, that that's the maddest yeah. place where you, where you run, run your biggest risks, if you sure. want. Okay. Well, look, um, th- there'll be plenty of that to talk about during the summer. Um, but uh, can we talk about Jack? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, what's your take on the, uh, the FA charge that was brought against him for bringing the game into disrepute? Well, I just think the whole thing's a bit pitiful, really, um, in that it's just a reflection of living in 2014 because when Nigel Winterburn did it or Ray Parler did it all those years ago, obviously nobody cared. You know, these things weren't particularly videoed and broadcast in the same way. Mm. Uh, social media clearly wasn't a factor then. And... You know, it, it wasn't the wisest thing for Jack to have done, and I think I think all the, all the people who were in charge of putting on the uh, the event n- knew that this was a likelihood. They took one look at Jack and and the, the fact that he'd obviously had a big night, <laughs> and they they knew what was coming. And I think that they basically were saying to people, "Keep the microphone away from Jack." <laughs> uh, but he's a canny guy, you know, and he got hold of it, and then he got hold of it again, and then he got hold of it a third time, you know. Um, but it, as a as a supporter, obviously, it's it's a good thing that you have feel a connection with a player who you think feels something like you do. And o- overall, we managed to erode in football a lot of that connection in recent years. Um, it would have been. Uh, simpler for Jack if he had probably not done it or done it in a slightly different way. Um, But he is who he is, and I don't think it's going to... It'll boil over in no time at all. I Mm. don't think it's going to be a major, major issue for him. I don't think it affects what the club think of him or what else. No, I don't think so. But, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, that uh, the week when, like, shit is hitting... All the fans in FIFA and the the, the game's governing body is is uh, not that anybody's surprised by it, shown to be hugely corrupt and the people at the top have, have made themselves very rich off it. That there are actual back pages about Jack Wilshire rather than uh, than stuff that's really important. And look, the the thing that I guess that will strike a lot of fans is that footballers these days are so well trained when it comes to the media, what to say, how to say it, um, when to say it where to look, you know, everything is so magnolia 
that when a guy comes along who who has a connection with the fans and immediately um, gets them going in a way that that doesn't happen too often, um, you know, it's terrible that <laughs> that he then gets uh, he then gets punished for it. I it's, think it's bizarre. It is bizarre, but also I think I've seen a few people um, on Twitter make the point, which is very eloquent, which is uh, you know to to say a, a, a swear word that most people even kids uh, would be aware of um, is supposedly bringing the game into disrepute, whereas having whatever, you know, 40, 50,000 tickets for the FA Cup final available to so-called football family, which then gets sold on, on the black market for thousands of pounds, is not bringing the game into disrepute seems a little bit weird. Does a bit. It does a bit. Anyway, the message here is never change, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up and he can, uh, you know, if he can make it three years in a row uh, next year, we'll all, we'll all be pretty happy. Right, um, Amy, have a fantastic summer. Thank you for all your contributions during the season. And uh, we'll, we'll, catch up, uh, we'll catch up next time. See ya. The always awesome Amy Lawrence at AmyLawrence71. If you're not following already on Twitter, uh, if you aren't, you should be. Um, so do it now, and we will catch up with Amy and uh, all the other guests, I'm sure, and some new ones perhaps when next season kicks off and the Arsecast regular uh, begins again. Uh, this is the point normally where we look ahead to what's happening this weekend, but there isn't really anything happening from an Arsenal point of view. There is a Champions League final, of course, Juventus against Barcelona or Barcelona against Juventus. I don't know who's drawn first. It doesn't really matter. Um, hard to look beyond Barcelona for this one, isn't it? Messi... Neymar, Suarez, Vermaelen. I mean, it's pretty much a shoe-in. But you never know. You never know with football. Um, I did get an, an interesting email today from a, a chap. I won't mention his name. But he took the time to, to send me an email because he's, he's looking for part-time work this summer. And he says, uh, this summer I'm looking for part-time work. I was hoping I could write for your blog's transfer section for the summer. I need to do some part-time work, and there's no better place for me to do it. Then, this is the best bit. I'm going to be honest. I've never written for any blog or website before, so this would be a learning experience for me, and it's only part-time. And most importantly, I'm a die-hard Arsenal fan, and I'm confident I would do well. He did not say hello or dear or greetings and did not make any goodbye whatsoever. You are sincerely best regards none of that but i like it i like his uh like his upfront ways i'm going to be honest i've never written for any blog or website before so i'll just email a blog and their website and ask them to to let me write for them i like it's pretty pretty the, the gumption there is high you've got to say there's some high gumption in that one i'm i'm considering his employment request we'll see how it goes so look that's really about it for this season of the Arscast, uh, only for me to say thank you very much indeed for listening. This is going into, ooh, what year? This is going into the 10th season of the Arscast next season, which is uh, which is truly something. So thank you, as always, for your support. Uh, the Arscast, I guess, will come back maybe the week of the uh, Community Shield, but probably the week after that. But fear not, for those of you who require a weekly dose, James and I will be here throughout the summer with the Arscast Extra, apart from maybe one week 
in a couple of weeks' time where I'm going to go on holidays. I'm going to take a little break. I'm not going to write the blog. Tom will be here to uh, pick that slack up. And I'm not going to do the podcast that week either, I don't think. Unless something big happens, I'm just going to take seven days, ten days, whatever it is, just doing none of it so I can recharge my batteries a bit. But apart from that, we're going to go right the way through the summer and keep you up to date with all the transfer news, all the stories, and whatever the hell might be going on. Probably not very much, but you never know. You never know. So, look, that's it for this uh, season of the Arscast. Thank you again very much indeed. I'll catch you in August for this one. And um, until then, have yourselves a fantastic summer, even though we'll be talking on the Arscast Extra, so this is a bit weird. But, look, until the next Arscast regular, have a good one. Take it easy, folks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Right, you can find Paolo on Twitter at Paolo underscore Bandini. That's Paolo underscore Bandini. The... <sighs> After the game against Stoke for the Arsecast Extra. Uh, until then, have a good one. Cheers. Spoke to you. I'll say that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Bye. <laughs> that was much less complicated. Yeah. <laughs> All right, joining me now from his new high-tech office, it is the one and only Ian McIntosh. Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> a very effusive greeting. I just stuffed the nearest thing in my mouth, which was a Mars bar, which is the worst thing to eat at short notice. Well, Do you want to have another crack at that? Um, yeah, let's... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't eat breakfast. I thought it was just a bit of chocolate, and then suddenly my mouth was filled with toffee. I was like, no! <laughs> and I think what we've seen is that yeah Yeah. so that's basically yeah i agree hello there and welcome to a brand new arse blog arse cast fucking fuckity cunt bollocks but the best thing you have to realize is that regardless of the fact that you're a jeffers uh you know a gilbert or a leopold or you know you're not a you're not a barton and that's the good thing. You are not a Barton. Because there's, there's, there's loads of Bartons. Like uh, Joey and Joseph and Josephamine and Jerinema. Barton, they, you know, nobody likes them. Because, you know why? Because they're assholes. All of them... The whole entire Barton family, uh, you know, the podcasts, uh, all the podcast people don't like them. They come in and they steal all the grain. And we're trying to make bread and like, you look down and all of a sudden there's no grain. I was like, oh, come on. Is it like the Bartons have been here again? Fuck the Bartons. 
Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here. And if you want to get 10% off your first order, just go to Arsecast10. No, just... And if you want to get 10... Fuck that. And if you want to get 10% off your first order, just use the code Arsecast10 at checkout. Thank goodness this is not live. Um... <laughs> All right, joining me now to talk about the game coming up this weekend uh, at Wembley, the FA Cup semi-final. I'm joined first by Gunnar Hollick from uh, Fuck Me. My brain is fucked. Sorry. (laughs) Take two. O'Doddy was, in fact, taking part in a wood-cutting... O'Doddy was, in fact, taking part in a wood... O'Doddy was, in fact, taking part in a wood-cutting... 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 Wood cut. O'Doherty was, in fact, taking part in a tree-felling expedition to the Cairnmore Woods near his home. <laughs> Who is it, Archer? <laughs> oh, I, all right, well, tell them I'm not here. Good boy. 